2: Since 2010, the most listened to show in the nonprofit sector dedicated to helping your charity succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to fundraising success and practical nonprofit management advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach Podcast with Ted Hart is the perfect landing point to learn from experts around the world who provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is, without a doubt, one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books range from successful online fundraising to expert nonprofit management. Guests on the Nonprofit Podcast are leaders in their field who share their insider tips and trade secrets in a conversational style both the experienced and novice will benefit from. Ted and his guests help you and your organization move to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. After the show, you can find all of our podcasts at tedhart.com, on iTunes, and now just say, Alexa, play Nonprofit Coach on TuneIn. Now, welcome the host of the Nonprofit Coach Podcast, Ted Hart
4: edition of the nonprofit coach. Today, we recognize and honor and remember Simone Joyeux, world-renowned fundraiser, author, board member, partner, icon, mentor, teacher, hero, activist, and I can go on and on. The the strength of this woman just lives on beyond her. She passed away on Sunday, May 2nd. We have a lot of people who uh, want to recognize her today. Those of you who are Uh, listening right now and you're in the green room, just stay right where you are. We're going to be recognizing everybody today. Simone was a guest on the Nonprofit Coach podcast many times over the years, and for her last episode, she directed that the title would be Nonprofit Coach, Simone's Uncensored, Thoughtful, Inspirational Philanthropy. And I think for any of us who had the pleasure of knowing her, we certainly see that as a title that sums up her incredible career. Uh, Simone would not be censored uh Simone had very strong uh, opinions and views and she was a very strong advocate of philanthropy um i want to start off with uh, i think uh, Leah Eustace is here with us and uh Leah um i know you've got some uh, great memories of uh, of Simone uh, and you've worked um with uh, with her, her her partner Tom Ahern who um uh really uh, when he heard uh, and when I asked him if it would be all right if we uh, put this show together, um, he said, uh, absolutely, it would be wonderful and a great way uh, to recognize uh, Simone's uh, life. And you've got uh, an opportunity for people who want to uh, have another way to remember Simone. So uh, uh, welcome here, Leah.
5: Thank you so much, Ted. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's an honor to kind of be be put up front here. I I so appreciate it. And, you know, I'm not surprised to hear that uh, Tom, um, you know, welcomed this opportunity uh, to recognize his beloved Simone. You know, uh, Tom's just so incredibly gracious. And uh, um, so, yeah, you know, let me kind of talk about this opportunity and then, and then just if, if I may take a minute or two to reflect on, Simone and, and my perhaps unique relationship to her um so first of all I, I you know there's so many incredible ways to honor her presence um her her presence on this earth uh, you know although her her physical presence may be gone uh, i'm a true believer that uh you know uh, science tells us that one's energy never leaves and her energy, her ferocity, her tenacity will be with us forever. And, and that certainly gives me great comfort. Um, and as many many people know, I'm very quite involved with AFP, particularly AFP in Canada. Uh, I am Canadian, uh, born and bred and a proud Canadian. And in consultation with Tom and um, certainly given Simone's background, there, uh, AFP has set up a fund, the Simone Joyo Fund to further some of the values she, she so passionately believed in, um, namely tackling injustice and inequity and the Simone Joyo Fund will provide scholarships to BIPOC and LGBTQ2S Canadian fundraisers. Now, why Canadian? Well, of course, Uh, if you look at Simone's heritage, is very much bilingual, English and French. Her father was French, and her father, uh, as Thomas told us, was uh, very, uh, really a believer in um, multilingualism, multiculturalism. He would often tell Simone to... um, he would say sort ton ghetto linguistique. get out of your linguistic ghetto um, he would say that to his students and so the idea of setting up a scholarship fund for canadian fundraisers in this bilingual country um, really was sort of a perfect idea in tom's mind and so anyone who might be interested in in uh, giving to that fund it can you can go to Afpglobal.org/sjfund and give either through the Afp Foundation in the U.S. or the Afp Foundation in Canada, and those funds will be directed to a Canadian fundraiser, um, either BIPOC or LGBTQ2S, as I said. Um, now, if I may, I, I I don't I'm not sure I've ever talked about this publicly before, um, not for any particular reason, but I think when it comes to my thoughts of Simone, um, this really comes to the forefront. It's something I've really reflected on over the past two and a half, three weeks. Um, I I talk quite openly about uh, the fact I live with mental illness, and um, one of the diagnoses I live with is is a personality disorder. And um, one of the, I guess, aspects of that personality disorder, which um, I it just it drives me a bit, a bit uh, nuts myself, which I can say, <laughs> is that I have extreme difficulty making friends. It's 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 extremely difficult. I can ha- I count on one hand and half a hand the number of very close friends i have. And when i think of Simone I, and and reading the tributes to her, i she's like the opposite of me. Um, and you know, it's not it's not that i don't want to make friends, it's like i can't make friends and i think how i wish i could have been braver. I could have been how I wish i I could um you know if there were if there was one person in the world i could could have been brave enough to to open myself up to it would be Simone and that's come partly just after her death and reading the reading the tributes and learning more about her um i i i i really i i think she would have changed my world honestly mm. um and you know i i I have regrets because I think of all the opportunities I was in her presence um feeling unworthy um at this this amazing woman and the energy she gave off and all the things she was that I feel I am not um and and yes, you know i people will tell me yes I am, but you know this is my brain works in different ways um so it's it's a very Different kind of reflection that we're likely to hear today, but um, it it, uh, it has ha, it's had me thinking about her a lot in the last two and a half three weeks, and will have me thinking about her a lot for the rest of my life. I think um, her well, just,
4: yeah, I just I mean just want to I mean, say, a lot of her. Yeah, I just want to say thank you for sharing that because what a wonderful tribute to anybody to find inspiration in in them. Yes. Uh, after they're no longer with us. Simone was unfailingly cl- kind and and could see everyone and did see everyone. And uh, so there you have it. She's, you know, if you can take that, you've been thinking about her, she wants you to think about her, uh, her and uh, for you to be inspired in that way. While you feel like maybe she would have changed it, I think she is changing your life. And if you continue thinking about yeah. that, um, I, I think that will be a wonderful tribute. Uh, to uh, to Simone, um, if if she continues to inspire you in that way, and thank you for sharing uh, the uh, the link um, for those who uh, maybe didn't quite get that, um, I have posted it at uh, facebook.com forward slash ted hart. You'll find the link that Leah uh, shared today, and and again, um, Leah pointed out that if you're Canadian, you can make a, a Canadian donation uh, to the Simone Jiao Fund. Um, and if you're American, you can make uh, a donation uh, there as well. So um, Leah, um, stay with us if, if you can. If you need to drop yeah. off, we understand. I'm just going to uh, go to um, caller 301-537, uh, beginning of your call. Um, if you could just introduce yourself and tell us what you'd like to um, remember about Simone. If you've got the phone number, 301-537, please just uh, join us um, and call her uh, from uh, number 949-235 if you can uh, join us and introduce yourself and share your, your story. Well,
6: good morning, to This is Jim Greenfield, and I'm the nine four nine area code.
4: Wonderful, um, Jim. But- yes, of course, you, you and Simone had uh, lots of opportunities to work together and know each other.
6: Yes, we did, uh, beginning in the early 80s. Um, I was still in the Boston area Simone, in Simone, Rhode Island and we crossed paths a couple of times but more significantly separate from serving on AFP committees and both the foundation and the and the society was N S F R E then. We also began our writing or publishing. We both wrote ahead of time but we didn't get published until the early nineties and enjoyed uh, making reference to each other's books in our own texts. Just a final thought, and I've had many over the last few days. Simone spoke here in our chapter in Washington uh, on the 23rd of April, very shortly before she passed away. And we didn't know it at the time, but she was aware of her illness for more than a year ahead of that, and yet she continued without without any hesitation to participate and share with us her thoughts. Um, I think it's important to me to remember her in the sense that she wanted us to do more and to do it better. Back to you, Ted
7: yeah
4: well thank you and jim you know stay with us as long uh, as you can thank you for sharing that i when i think of my uh, times with simone we you know we spoke at the the same uh, program so many times um, and uh, we were both invited to participate in the 2000 afp faculty uh, academy uh, which was you know really one of the the first times i had an opportunity to connect with her and and then uh, jim i think you were very much involved with the cfre um, separation from AFP and, and Simone's um, uh, uh, involvement with that. And I was asked to serve on the, the finance committee that overlooked uh, and made a recommendation on could CFRE stand on its own. Um, and that, that was sort of a, you know, a high energy time for, for, for a lot of people and uh, just a lot of leaders uh, stepped forward to help through uh, that program. I'm going to go to the next caller. Um, if you've got uh, Eric, code 360281, if you could uh, introduce yourself and uh, just share with us your story of, of uh, Simone. Uh,
8: this is James Phelps, and um, I did not have the good fortune of having a lot of personal conversations or interaction with Simone, but I certainly followed her um, Any time that I saw she was speaking, and I had the possibility to hear her, I did. And I do have a favorite memory of her that just was so um, typical of everything that I ever um, saw in in my encounters with her. Um, She did a presentation at the international conference uh, after she had written the book um, on how to fire your board, which, of course, you know, was the usual provocative title. and I remember at one point um, she was talking about those difficult conversations that you sometimes have to have with board members, trying to sort of rein them in. And, um, you know, Simone was wearing her usual um, also somewhat provocative, sometimes uh, outfit. She had, you know, the large rings. She was wearing a very large um, necklace that day, Um and, uh, you know, just was her usual vibrant self. And the person asked, you know, raised her hand and asked the question, how, how do you start that conversation? Could you just sort of, you know, maybe role play for us? And Simone sweeps her hands up and down along her body and says, do I look like I'm ever subtle? <laughs> and that, to me, was typical Simone. I just, of of all the times that I um, heard her speak, and there's probably many quotes I could do because I have quoted her on numerous occasions, but that of all of them was just the most archetypal um, uh, example of, of who who she was, so that's That's one of my favorite memories of her.:
4: <laughs> That's a wonderful, wonderful memory, And, and uh, of course, she was answering her own question because you know there's never anything that was subtle about Simone, but that's part of what we loved about her, right? So, um, you know, what are some of your other uh, favorite stories or, or sayings from uh, Simone?
8: So the other one I remember well was as I was um, trying to get my ACFRE credits, um, one of the tapes that was available was one of her, was one of her programs. Um, and so I, of course, like jumped at like, Oh, I can get a half an ethics, half an hour ethics credit for this one, um, which was what drew me to her, to it originally. But um she was talking about a point in time where she had worked for a, um, I believe it was a theater program, um, uh, nonprofit. And uh, the first year that she was there, you know, she had just a huge increase in revenue, 20%. Um, and then the next year had a similar. And at the end of the third year, when it became time for evaluation, she had not seen that similar increase, even though that had been sort of budgeted and there had been some expectations of that. And when confronted as to why she had not reached goal, her response was perhaps it was more the quality of the programming or, or the artistic programming that led to this decline as opposed to the quality of the development program. once again just another excellent uh example of how she just stood up for herself um and um you know was able to have those difficult conversations with a bit of humor but also a huge amount of hubris
4: (laughs) yeah always always inspirational right but also um very much willing to look at herself uh and and to you know see fault if there is fault but to learn from the situation one way or the other and I, I think she encouraged all of us to uh uh to feel that way please um stay with us um if if you'd like i'm going to go to a uh, caller if your area code is 631-383 uh please introduce yourself and uh, share your your best memories or stories about Simone
3: yes hello Uh, My name is Kamish Johnson, and I am an officer in the private donor services at CAS America. And on a daily basis, I have the pleasure of working with different clients. And several months ago, Simone became one of those clients and a quite memorable one at that. Um, I I recall as I had the pleasure of meeting and interacting with her, she just had a very joyful disposition, and she was really inspiring to interact with. And you know that is something that is always a welcome, a welcoming disposition to have. You know during your workday. And um, I was just I remember just being incredibly motivated by her enthusiasm. I recall her as having a, an optimistic approach to life. And, you know, I think that is a legacy that will live on with her philanthropic efforts. And um, that is so the most important thing I think um, that she's left behind is her optimism and just her unwavering energy
4: toisha i 'm so glad that you called in to share this yes. side of, of of Simone because I think for for many of us and a lot of the stories that we 'll hear today, we you know we knew her as as a teacher, as a trainer, as a lecturer, uh, as an author yes. of someone who you know helped uh, nonprofits do a better job, raise more money, uh, build their boards of directors or fire the boards of directors um, but t- this is Simone as a philanthropist as someone giving yeah. back and 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 from your perspective she was just as joyful in giving giving back and being a philanthropist herself
3: it, she incredibly so incredibly so she really believed in uh the purpose in, in, in that she was giving towards and um you know, that was infectious. It really is. And, you know, very um, inspiring. Um, you know, as I continue to work with that, this fund of hers here, CAF America, that is, that is something that I will remember daily. Um, that's behind, you know, all of this, that to, just the energy and the motivation and um, just really the heart that's behind um, the history of this fund
4: well wow, that's and and of course, that lives on uh with her and and of course you you have all these uh, memories of of someone that perhaps you didn't know as a lecturer, or trainer or an author, but um only know her as um through her philanthropy and I'm so glad that you uh, that you uh, were able to uh, share that with us. What are some of that um as you're working through the the process of of helping her um you know, establish her fund and and be you know become a philanthropist in that in that regard? What are some of the, the, the memories that you have in, in terms of questions that she asked or how she approached that?
3: Oh, she, she had a, questions as far as, uh, you know, the, the impact that um, her giving would have and really just, um, you know, what we were able to do um, through the international grant making process um, and, you know, the purpose. That it would go towards, and I specifically recall um, the particular grantee that she was just um, dedicated to working with. And you know, this was an institute that conducts scientific research in the domain of philanthropic psychology. Um, I I specifically remember that, and um, it's you know she was really focused on uh, the impact that um, this giving her giving would have here.
4: Jamish, again, thank you so much for um, giving us an opportunity to hear about and and see that side of Simone uh, as well. Um, Stay with us if if you can. I'm going to go on to uh, call her. If your uh, area code is 403815, please uh, join us, uh, introduce yourself, and share your memories of, of Simone or favorite teaching. Yes, go ahead, 403
0: Yeah, hi, sorry about that. It's um, Andrea McManus, and I'm calling from uh, Calgary, um, Alberta, uh, up in Canada.
4: Andrea, thank you so much. You and Simone did so many things together.
0: Yeah, we did, for sure. Um, Like many other people, I've known Simone for quite a long time, but I really got to know her much better um, when I was uh, chair of AFP Global, and – I made it kind of a, a mission of mine to um, Simone wasn't happy with AFP at the time, and as you know, she could she uh, you know she she was fierce in her criticisms, but also fierce in her support. And uh, Robbie Healy and I made it a, a mission to bring her back on side, and and we did, I think. And um, but one thing I I came to realize about Ma, Simone, she was a person of great integrity and you may get her on side with something but you had to you had to work to keep that it wasn't unconditional and she was such a critical thinker and deep thinker um that uh she always uh you know kept her kept her kept her eye on the ball um i also had an opportunity and for those of you who are aware of this and if you're not aware Simone really eschewed technology and uh, I bet there's not a person listening that ever saw Simone do anything on uh, with PowerPoint. She was really legendary for that. And um, after she passed away, she had committed the following Friday to do three ser- three sessions with her Rhode Island chapter. And um, so um, Tysley Williams and I um sat in for her on the first one which was just uh, five or six days after after she left us and that was a uh, kind of formidable to so know that you're stepping in for Simone Joyot. Um and that is a very limited time to prepare for it it was a, sort of a two-hour conversation so, yeah,
4: a uh, the
6: night before
0: I was <laughs> yeah so the night mm-hmm. before I was going through all of her materials and I thought oh I'll just uh, Put a few things up on the PowerPoint slide just to help collect my thoughts, and then I almost immediately thought, "Oh my God, I better not do that." Wherever she is, she'll come down and smite me <laughs> for, for using PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so I, it was—it was—it was, uh, it was, it was t- a tough thing to do, and there were lots of tears from the people who uh, were on were in the session. But uh, I was really honored to be able to do that. However sad it was, I think we've lost. As such, a deep thinker in our profession, um, but I think we are um, grateful. She has left also a huge amount of resources for us. She will be with us for a very, very long time.
7: Yeah, and future
4: generations of donors and fundraisers, you know, will reference her for for a long time. I mean, the the lectures and books that mm-hmm. she's that she's left behind is is such a such a big treasure i mean what how 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 do you how do you view that or how should we view that as a as a profession to to be left such a rich treasure
0: oh i I think um, I, i'm I'm not sure what tom will will do with all of that, but I would expect that he will you know so much of it is on her website and I'm sure that he will he will continue that. I would expect that he would. But I think so much of her stuff is timeless um, because it's about theory, it's about um, thoughtfulness, it's about intentionality, it's, uh, it's fundamental underpinnings. I, I think it, it it will continue to uh, underpin the way we think about what we do for a very, very long time.
4: I think she challenges us, right? I mean, you, you brought up her website, so if you, if you don't mind, Andrea, I just wanted to, to share a little bit from her website. I don't know how many of us have been to com in, in, in a while, but um, she, she says on her website, what I, I help you do, uh, raise more money, build a stronger board, plan for the future, fix problems, and take advantages of opportunities, which all of that right there, Thumbs up, Simone. Right? She says. May, she goes on to say, sure, maybe sure. you're a young organization, or maybe you need to develop your capacity. Maybe you're an established organization, but you've encountered some setbacks. Maybe you're a highly experienced mm-hmm. organization looking to innovate, and maybe you're something else altogether. And then it's this final, uh, final piece here that I, I just wanted to, to to give to you to, to sort of uh, unpack for us. I can help you as your partner resource and trusted advisor and if you're worried about the cost or availability don't be mm-hmm. now, how many people say that on her on their website i mean she was a, she, she was in business i mean she she was you know, someone who wrote books and provided mm-hmm. consulting but you know, her, her her concern there was to help to be a partner to be a resource and you know yes. if you're worried yes. about the cost don't be don't be i mean how, how many yeah. people do that
0: uh, well, I, I mean, I think she, you know, she set the standard for us in so many ways. Um, and she really met that. You know, uh, you know, I've heard people comment um, since her passing uh, of how Simone, you know, at the end of conferences, you could always find her with the young fundraisers. Um, she loved talking to young fundraisers. And she would give out her, her phone number and her contact information. And she would, you know, say say to them, if you need to talk to someone, you can talk to me. Call me anytime, and she really met that and lived and breathed that. So yeah, she, she
2: was a she terrific. Really did. You know, there's,
4: there's, a, there's a famous quote that says we never realize the value of something in our life until it becomes a memory. So as Simone becomes a memory, what should we realize of the value? What, what do you think that is?
0: Oh, I think. I would say Simone was a great inspirer. She she makes you she made you want to be better. She made you want to do that do better. And you know, <laughs> I know she made me want to be like her. <laughs> so I, I think she was. I hear that, but
4: I'm just wondering. What, what does that mean? What does that say to you? I mean, you want to be her, you want to be more like her. I mean, I think a, a lot of people would benefit from being more like yeah. Simone, but in your mind, what, were, what, what are those qualities or values that, that she leaves behind and sort of challenges us to step up to be?
0: I think her fearlessness in asking tough questions, her uh, of not uh, not only of others but of herself, uh, the depth to which she thought about um, positions and uh, uh, ideas and practices. Um, and then I would say her unparalleled ability to both elegantly and eloquently um, make her opinions known or express her opinions. Those are real skill sets. And, and you know, I... I I think we we all need to work on those skill sets, but she was that she was just unparalleled with that,
4: yeah, I can't think of a time that I was ever with simone and and many times when I was with her there's you know there's quite a a crowd of people or we were you know at an a f p meeting board meeting or 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 something of that sort. Uh, she had, as you just said, she had the ability to be heard when she started speaking there was just something about her grace and 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 sometimes as you said she she could be tough um but always fair um you wanted to Mm -hmm. hear what she had to say you wanted to hear it
0: yes you did you wanted to hear yep
4: yes andrea thank you uh, so much
0: Thank you. I, Thanks, she actually, okay. uh, you
4: know, I know that you know uh, Kathy Williams uh, very well, and uh, Kathy yeah. um, has sent in a, a tribute. And uh, you just give me a second. I'm just going to uh, play that for everyone.
9: I've known Simone for many years in many of her roles as an ACFRE certificate, a speaker, a participant, and leader in many AFP boards and committees. It's easy to cite the obvious about Simone. She was smart. Articulate, knowledgeable, committed, and exemplar of professionalism. But what I will remember most about her is her zest for life. When she was in, she was really in. She was a force of nature. She volunteered to help. She walked the talk. Dare I say it, she could be difficult. But one always knew where she stood. She didn't sit back. She spoke up. She also listened with an open mind. And she generously shared her time and expertise with so many in the profession of fundraising. The world is a better place because of our dear Simone.
2: Well, here,
4: here, uh, Kathy. Thank you so much for uh, for sharing that. Uh, and I, I, we have uh, someone joining us. I believe this gentleman is calling from Spain. Uh, so uh, I, I see country code yep. thirty-four. Do I know who this is, sir? <laughs> Uh, you certainly knew, Simone, tell your story, please.
7: Hi, uh, can you hear me, Ted?
4: I can hear you, please, you're on.
7: Great, great, I just wasn't sure. Thanks, thanks a lot for inviting me to join this call, Ted, and, and as, as many of us are uh, celebrating, I would say, Simone's life because the only way of thinking about her not being General, with us please her, let everybody know who you are. Please let everybody know who I'm Daryl Upsall. Sure, I'm Daryl Upsall. I'm... Uh, fundraising consultant had thirty seven years in the sector and i 'm based in Spain and i 've traveled the world with Simone because we 're on the same bit like ted really we 've been on the same eternal fundraising rock and roll speaking tour uh, from country to country and spend a lot of time with Simone. also i 'm a former AFP board vice chair responsible for icon and other training so uh, I worked with Simone um, when she came back into the fold, shall we say, and was kicking from the inside again, uh, having spent many years kicking the AFP from the outside, because Simone knew how to kick.
4: I don't know if you heard, Andrea uh, McManus was just here sharing, uh, you know, the the role that she played in bringing Simone back in.
7: I did indeed. And in fact, uh, me and Andrea were talking earlier about just that. So. She, uh, if, if you want me to go on, Ted, I can say, you know, for me...
10: Yeah, Simone
7: was, yeah, she was fiery, wild, challenging, disturbing, entertaining. She was always shaking the tree. And, in fact, the, the way we brought her back into the AFP fold in terms of the conference was we co-created, uh, along with other colleagues, a, a track called Rebels, Renegades, and Pioneers. Now, however much you think about Simone, she ticks all of those boxes, and sure um, that Yeah, she sure did.
4: No, go on, please, please.
7: Yeah, yeah. And and uh, I'll just share one little personal anecdote because, you know, we all know what a brilliant contribution Simone made to the sector, how she challenged ideas, how she wouldn't take the status quo for granted. But she was also fun. And I think, you know, Andrea talked about talked about something earlier which we both talked about elsewhere is the one thing of Simone you saw this big star on stage rings red stockings bright colored technicolor clothes that you know she should have been a character in the Harry Potter movies and you know you were in awe and fear when she presented in case she picked on you and made some comment that suddenly shook you out of your slumber but then many times as many of us have commented you'll be at the end of a conference and she'll be in a quiet corner with the youngest newest particularly female fundraising professionals just sharing with them just sharing her experience but more than sharing listening and learning from young people and then providing real support we've heard a couple of times now how she gave herself for free in order to help others grow and develop and that's something very special, and I think teaches us all something uh, about how we can behave as fundraising leaders in the sector.
10: What does
4: she challenge us, for for all of us who are listening and those who will listen after and maybe sadly didn't have the opportunity to know Simone, um, what does she leave us? What does she challenge us to do?
7: I think she leaves us to never let the status quo remain the same never put up with boards or leadership that is inadequate, to challenge it, even if that sometimes may have a personal and professional price, but not to just sit back and say, okay, well, I'll take that for granted. And I think the other thing is she taught us or she shared with us how to have this debate. While she was rhetorical and loud and vociferous on stage, because that's what you are on stage, you are performing at the end of the day, when you sat with her afterwards and talked about any issue, she listened and she absorbed and understood others' comments and then drove the conversation forward rather than digging into a hole and sticking her feet in the ground. She she was a very dynamic person and what she leaves behind is obviously a a legacy of presentations, uh, no PowerPoint, that's for sure, and yeah. a legacy of books and things that we can read.
4: And future generations will read of Simone's YO, oh, and and I'll, I just I wanted to ask you one of the last things that she wrote um, uh, in one of her her final blogs. She says, "Remember that donors give through a particular charity to fulfill their own personal aspirations." Yeah, that, that, that seems to be something that that. Uh, that she leaves us that challenges not 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 every fundraiser recognizes that so again what 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 is she leaving behind that that should change us or at least want us to change
7: well there's that old adage ted uh in in fundraising in it we were born with two ears and one mouth and i think simone though she had a very powerful voice she was better at listening And I think if there's one lesson from that is, let's listen to our donors or our funders. They may be foundations, they may be corporations, they may be wealthy individuals, or they may be just the person giving that single gift. Listen to them, understand them, find out what their motivations are, and help them fulfill their objectives, or if it's an individual, their dreams to make a better place. Don't just tell them what you do, listen and see if you're able to meet their needs. That's
4: a lesson I take from Simone. Yeah, I, I, I do as well as I shared earlier, she was a, a guest on on this nonprofit coach podcast many times. and and it, when you, you were, I was just kind of having a flashback here as you as you uh, shared sort of the, the word dream um, because she, she very much wanted fundraisers to understand the role of the donor was not just to write a check. Um, yeah. had, and that's something that she kept coming back to. Um, How do we make sure that we not lose that
7: lesson? I I think, you know, the one thing that I find quite strange about probably 90% of fundraisers is they never get to talk to a donor. That's the danger of technology. And even though, okay, we can't meet the donor physically right now in most cases, we can't do that sitting and empathizing with our body language so much through Zoom and other tools, I think when The best we can do as fundraisers at any level is to actually listen to donors. And that nowadays may mean picking up a telephone. One of the first lessons I learned in fundraising was from one of the pioneers of fundraising in Oxfam. And he was the chief executive. And every Friday he just called five donors of Oxfam. Not because they were the biggest donors that week, just because they were donors, supporters. And just introduced himself and said, what can we do to help you? and to help you fulfill your dreams. And I think if we do some more of that instead of just look at the statistics, look at the data, and hide behind our computer screen sometimes, we will become better fundraisers and donors will trust us more because we take the time to care and listen. Why is that scary for,
4: and maybe I'm making an assumption here, younger fundraisers or those who you know are starting in the profession, uh, because I, I think, you know, for, for those of us who've been around for a little while, um, you know, we didn't have technology in, in the way that we have it now. So you, you didn't have the opportunity to, to hide behind email or, 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 or yeah. any other kind of technology. You, you know, it, you weren't going to raise money if you weren't going to be in front of people. Uh, and, and I hear from you that, you know, maybe some of that's being, being lost. I think that's a fear that, that Simone had. But is, can, we be, can that be heard now, or is that just something that, well, Ted, is that you just can't get across?
7: Well, Ted, as, as you will know, I'm, I'm considered one of the co-founders of a thing called Face-to-Face Fundraising, which is the biggest single fundraising channel in the world pre-COVID, which is actually mostly young people in shopping malls, street corners, uh, at events, talking to donors and potential donors and listening to them and convincing them with a case for support, sometimes with only seconds to capture their attention about causes they are not only raising a cash gift for, they are raising long-term commitments for. So every day, for example, I look at blogs on on Facebook from the face-to-face fundraising community around the world, watching these brilliant, energized, exciting young people Asking people to support causes, whether it's a health cause, or it's a, a UN agency, or it's Save the Children, or whatever, or Greenpeace, which invented face-to-face. And they are doing what most of us started doing, but now they're doing it every single day. And boy, I've been having to listen to sign people up uh, and to meet their needs. So I don't believe we're losing it. The place we're losing it is at the top. How many CEOs of big foundations, big uh, nonprofits, or fundraising director, development directors, actually take the trouble on a weekly or daily basis to speak to an ordinary donor? Yet they have thousands mm-hmm. of people doing it. And you know what? Those well, fundraisers who start on the street are now actually
10: going into leadership.
4: Yeah. So I think Simone would be uh, would be pleased with that. You know, when when uh, and thank you for letting me know that you'd be calling in today. When I, when I knew that you'd be calling in, there, there's one thing I absolutely wanted to learn from you. Uh, you know, Simone was, was very, very American, um, uh, you know, loved, loved her country, but she was also European, um, and, and, and her European roots um, uh, were something that was very important to her. And I was just wondering if you, you had a sense of how that made her different or how that, that, that spoke to her and made her Simone.
7: That's a very good question, Ted, and and for the listeners, you may not be aware, but Simone also had a home with Tom, her life partner in France. They traveled extensively. They attended many uh, European and rest of the world fundraising conferences. Indeed, my wife and her spent a wonderful time together at the Italian fundraising conference many years ago. And I think the way in which Simone drew upon that was through, she read literature, which was not necessarily mainstream American Anglo-Saxon literature. She absorbed the culture of France deeply, her and Tom spending a lot of time there. And that gave her a nuance, which again, Ted, I think you would appreciate is she didn't just come with her American baggage. And that's not to say American baggage is negative. When she spoke at conferences in France or Italy or in Holland or in the UK, she she came with a, a universal, an international approach. And even though boards and leadership and structures of nonprofits do vary, she listened before she spoke. So she didn't apply, this is how it has to work, because this is how it works in the USA. So I, th- I think that cultural richness, richness, which she also brought back to the USA and Canada and elsewhere, Really made her something special, and even her name, you know, always misspelled and always mispronounced, gave her <laughs> exactly. an opportunity to explain
4: that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- I think she she reveled in uh, in that. I, I can't, Gerald, I cannot thank you enough. Obviously, someone who knew her very well, traveled and and spoke extensively. Stay stay here as long as you can. We're going to go on to uh, speaker um, uh, with area code three one seven two nine six. If you could introduce yourself and share your Simone's Y.O. story.
10: Hey, Ted, Mark Pittman here. Hey, Mark, how are you? Uh, Wrecked, but good. It's fun hearing some of the quotes um, from the memories that people are having. Um, Simone was a force of nature, and I'm so glad that she's going to – the parts of her that have impacted people are going to be living on for a long, long time. I'm really touched by that.
4: What do you think will live on most? I mean, what 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 uh, rings out for you?
10: There's well one thing that rang out, and I know this is probably a family show, so I'll try to keep it a little less uh, more <laughs> in Simone's vein, though. But the uh, uh, one of the previous callers says she could be a bit difficult, um, and um, I wrote down on my pad of paper she could be a pain in the ass. And she liked it. <laughs> she liked, but she it. liked it. Like Yeah, other she, be- yeah she liked to shake that. the tree and she yeah. liked to see. But I think it was for mo- usually for just really good, for authenticity and truth. Um, if you're going to say you do something, then do it. If you're going to say you're a fundraiser, then study fundraising. Don't just do what other people do or don't just coast, but be excellent at it. I loved it when uh, I watched her in Rhode Island, she te- um I think you were there too, wasn't it? We, we did the, were you doing part of the fund, fundraising coach or fund oh, yeah, coaches?
4: Yeah, the coach. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah
10: so what, watching her tell the board, let the board off with the hook in the first half of the, their turning up, you don't have to ask for money. And then wallop them with, you got to be ambassadors, but they didn't know that they were being walloped. They're just like, ah, oh, sure, I can be ambassadors. I can connect people in my nonprofit to my Rolodex. That's great. Um, so I loved right. her kind of subversive nature um, and – Sometimes full frontal, like just brute force, and sometimes much more uh, finesse. And, and it was, she just kind of knew, knew what tools to use when she wanted to use them.
4: And she had a lot of tools, didn't she? I mean, she, 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 could, uh, she could speak uh, softly and make you listen more intently, uh, or she could, she could be,
10: you know, very animated. Um, she had a very <laughs> big tool. I remember her walking up and down at a keynote uh, for the National Catholic Development Conference. People have already mentioned this, but she said, she was asked about her PowerPoint and she said, I don't use PowerPoint, uh, but I have handouts. (laughs) So she wanted handouts for everybody. (laughs) And she'd walk up and down and just looking looking for the person that she could, looking for the people who are alive, looking for the people who'd respond back and calling them out in a, I think it was, it felt confrontational if you didn't know her sometimes, but I think it was definitely more of an inclusive um, inviting people to stand up and to be fully alive and to be fully committed to what they're doing. That excellence is something that I know you're going to probably ask, what do you think is going to, what is, what's going to live on? And for her, it, for me, it's the call to excellence to continue to to uh, keep studying and keep learning and not take things for granted. Uh, is definitely going to be something that, I know I'm going to credit her with as I continue going through whatever life is left for me.
4: Yeah. And, and Daryl, uh, I'm sorry, I think you, uh, you were able to hear uh, was just reminding us that she did all of that in a couple languages. <laughs>
10: no, isn't that great. And then she spoke. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm just kidding.
4: I think of her as just someone who was so confident um, but also
10: so kind, but just did not suffer fools. I don't know how confident she was. I think she was confident about certain things very solidly, but she did not suffer fools. That is 100%. Uh, I was in a she and I were at this Bloomberg L'Oreal Women of Worth celebration after 10 years of giving this, honoring these nonprofits. They decided maybe we should train these nonprofits how to raise money. And so she and I were uh, brought in for the inaugural year of their, their academy for that. And Bloomberg really thought they were helping people <laughs> by um, having their national top CEOs, CMOs, talk about how to these small startup nonprofits, how to work with your, the, the mayor of New York City and how to get regional governments <laughs> and global governments to, to support your cause. And finally, and it was it was during the Q&A that, right? series, oh, she was just livid. Uh, and during the Q&A period, instead of the people, the the awardees getting to ask a question, she, after a while, she grabbed the mic and she just started saying, this is crazy. There's no way any of these people are going to be able to get in front of Michael Bloomberg or those people, but they need to know. And she just really brought the truth to the room, uh, even though it wasn't her party. That didn't matter. She just couldn't stand the foolishness that she was hearing being dished out to, to nonprofits. that couldn't, couldn't adjust to that. They weren't at that place yet, and, and I think that's what I meant by her her confidence because
4: she had the confidence to do that because she it, it came from a very solid place. I mean, when mm. she said that, she wasn't she wasn't saying it to be provocative. It, it sometimes sounded that way, but she very very deeply cared about what she was saying. I mean, she felt like she had to say something at, at that moment, right? I mean, she she just was very very um, solid in her beliefs of of how things should be done and how people should be heard.
10: Right. Um, Even if the other people around her weren't really sure that they were solid in the same beliefs about the way she was delivering that message. But I know when I was with her, I think it was Daryl or maybe Amanda, somebody said, uh, one of the things I wrote down, too, just thinking about her, is that um, in her presence, I always was scared she was going to find out something about me. And I always wanted her to point it out. Like there was something, because I, I didn't know what it was, what, where she'd call me out, but I knew it would make me better. But it was that kind of mixed emotions of, oh, I don't want to be exposed, but if she doesn't, it, it's going to be good. <laughs> It'll be something that'll be yeah, but, good. And
4: she, saw, and she saw everything, right? I mean, she, she just was right? very, uh, she, she, a lot of people uh, have said and, and have written uh, that she really set a gold standard. Um, in your mind, what's that gold standard that she leaves?
10: Well, I, don't, I think the, the question that I, I have been thinking about um, since I heard about her passing or as we went through that long weekend um, was the, you know, kind of what questions would Simone ask or what would Simone question? Um, I, the legacy is going to be um, the people she impacted, the uh, copious writing, the degrees that she's helped establish um, and committed to, uh, but I, I really think that... Um, that kind of striving for better and not suffering, you know, that the, the nonprofit sector in particular deserves the best leadership and the most committed consultants and coaches and the most committed staff members um, that we, we should never do anything halfheartedly.
4: Right, don't don't settle for a second, best Mark. Stay stay with us if you you can. I just want to go. I'm watching our time. I just want to go to uh, uh, caller area code six one zero six nine six. If you would introduce yourself and, and share your Simone story.
1: Uh, this is Robbie Healy in Pennsylvania. Thanks so much. I I met you and Simone in the flesh in two thousand at the A S P Faculty Academy and. I was um, a very new volunteer for for ASP, then NSFRE, I think, on the national level. And, of course, the two of you were already pillars to be in awe of if you were me. And I think one of the things that we learned at that faculty academy was that adults question everything as part of their learning style. And it's good that um, we talked about that because she did, and she questioned and she probed and she interacted with uh, BJ, the master trainer trainer, and our goal to have people as accomplished as you were and she and lots of others in that room was to make sure that when we launched it for the general audience, it would be really good. So I think yeah, I was, I I was remember, listening to – I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah,
4: Robbie, yeah I just want to say, if I remember correctly – correct me if I'm wrong uh, – that was that was 2000 uh, that we were there together. But if I remember correctly, the first half, she sort of sat there and she listened and she evaluated, and she decided it wasn't good enough.
1: She did. And, she, and, and, she absolutely
4: and that, did. And at half time, she decided that she was going to rewrite the direction of the Faculty Academy – because it meant so much to her, she wasn't going to be willing to complete the the academy without it getting better, and that was so and I
1: also I, I also think that one of the conversations between BJ and Simon was around what is the point of entry for the typical person who will attend this, and where will their skill level be, and how do we make this accessible? Not to minions who have no experience, but to people who aren't as accomplished. So I think that that interaction, I got to see Simon look at outcomes differently, and not. And I think I, I was I was just on um, Vince Duckworth's Zoom, and we were talking about this as well. She didn't stand her ground. She made a very important point, but she was willing to consider other points of view. So I agree with you completely. The idea that we need to look at making this the best it can be, but also think about not everyone will be as an accomplished trainer as you and Saman and Barbara Levy, all those people who were already at the zenith of skills. but I, I think that the lesson I took from that was her complete and total intolerance of incompetence. And right. I think that: No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I think that's what no, led her ahead. to write books, books like um, "Firing Lousy Board Members." Why would you tolerate that? Why would you allow that to interfere with your mission? so I think that for me, is the essence of her not to be provocative without some absolute amazing vision of what could be instead of what is
4: yeah, always uh, I think, M- Mark, are you still with us? I am, yeah, yeah, Mark, yes, we were, I am we were talking about about i just uh, we'll wrap up here with a. Uh, uh, the three of us uh, sort of uh, wrapping up here. But, you know, that, that same concept of not suffering fools and, and really that gold standard, I mean, we kind of come back to those those points, right? I mean, Ro- Robbie and, and, and Mark, I just wanted to ask you both to sort of think about that.
10: Yeah, Robbie, I was laughing with what you were saying because you're so right on. Yeah, not suffering incompetence, and um, that Except- was great. Thank you for sharing that.
1: I don't think she was edgy for the sake of being edgy. I think she was edgy for the sake of not barely moving the needle, but getting people to realize the needle was in the wrong place.
4: Wow, what a great, what a great way to uh, – we're just uh, coming down to the end of our, our uh, celebration of Simone Joyeau. So I'm just going to ask uh, uh, Robbie um, one last uh, thought that we all need to take away. this moment
1: don't let her down by giving up the mantle that she handed up um,
4: there you go there you go and mark how about uh, how about your thoughts what what do we need to make sure that we take away from the incredible life and and work of Simon Joyo? I
10: love what Robbie said um, let's let's all commit to um, to growing and to constant lifelong growing um, and I love the, the The story Robbie shared about uh, who who are the people that are coming to this. Um, So really, listening to the people we're trying to communicate to or for, and uh, do that with excellence. I want to
4: thank you both for uh, helping me wrap up just an incredible assembly, great memories of of Simone Jyo and and everyone. Please go out there and be more like Simone.
2: You've been listening to the Nonprofit Coach Podcast with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad-friendly podcasts at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Coach.